A few months back, a threat actor boasted on an underground forum that they had created a new and powerful UEFI bootkit that could somehow mysteriously bypass UEFI Secure Boot, the feature that's built into all modern computers to prevent them from running unauthorized, insecure software. Now, some in the InfoSec community initially wondered if this was simply just another scam. You know, who would believe one big mouth criminal after another looking to scam others? But the researchers at ESET remained vigilant, and soon enough, they found what they were looking for, a sample that perfectly matched all the mentioned attributes of this UFI bootkit known as Black Lotus. My name is Ari Goretsky, and I'm ESET's Distinguished Researcher and host of the ESET Research Podcast. Today, I'll be talking with ESET malware researcher Martin Smolar about how he found this rumored UFI threat called Black Lotus, and how it compares to the other UFI threats, such as eSpectre, that he discovered and has analyzed in the past. Welcome, Martin. Hi, Ari. Thanks for having me. So the first question I have for you is what initially went through your mind when you first heard about Black Lotus in October of 2022? Uh, Well, to be honest, uh, I had a little bit mixed feelings about it. Uh, First of all, yeah, I was really excited, of course, uh, because it would be the first UFI bootkit bypass in UFI Secure Boot. Um, But on the other hand, uh, I was also a little bit skeptical about it uh, because, you know, as you already said in the in the introduction, uh, like um, who would trust some criminal on on an underground forum? And uh, it could be simply just a scam because we didn't have any samples or something like that. So there was nothing that we could analyze at the time. Uh, But yeah, uh, as we later found out, uh, it was real. So. Interesting. So they, we often say that there is no honor ab- amongst thieves, but um, in this case, they, they really had a piece of malware to back that up. So what exactly is it that makes Black Lotus so special? I think that it's definitely its capability of bypassing UFI Secure Boot. Um, because if we look back uh, at UFI bootkits that were discovered in the past, like uh, Spectre, uh, and the FinSpy bootkit. Uh, as far as I know, there is no evidence that any of them uh, was exploiting some vulnerability in order to bypass or disable UFI Secure Boot. So um, in that cases, attackers probably just uh, deployed them on the machines with UFI Secure Boot disabled, or they had uh, physical access to the machines and they were able to enter BIOS setup and uh, turn uh, UFI Secure Boot like manually. And so Black Lotus was the first bootkit that uh, crossed this boundary. Um, and I think that's the most interesting part of all this uh, case. And this works on basically any UFI computer running Secure Boot. It's not specific to an operating system or of particular vendor's computers. 
yeah, it should work. It should work on every computer that is using UFI because um, this vulnerability that is exploited by Black Lotus uh, was in a Windows boot manager binaries or Windows boot applications, uh, and these are signed by Microsoft Corporation PCA certificate, and this one is stored on every PC that is uh, using UFI uh, in a database called in a secure boot database DB. It's a kind of allow list of applications that can be launched uh, during the boot. So yeah, uh, it's simply on every machine that is running UFI. So we're, we are literally talking millions upon millions of computers then. Um, so when and well, how uh, did you fi um, find out about Black Lotus in the first place? Uh, well, this is kind of interesting story because uh, it actually took us a while to realize uh, what we found uh, when we found Black Lotus samples. Uh, I think it started late in 2022 uh, when we noticed few suspicious samples and these turned out to be uh, Black Lotus HTTP downloaders. But at the time we didn't know that, of course. Uh, and then later, based on some uh, code similarities in these downloaders, we were also able to discover Black Lotus installers. And these definitely caught our attention because they were dropping a bunch of files to the EFI system partition. Uh, but to be honest, uh, when I started analyzing them, uh, I thought that the final component will be just some uh, game cheat or something like that, some uh, hardware ID spoofer or something that is used by cheaters to um, bypass uh, some uh, anti-cheat uh, stuff. Because uh, you would be surprised how many UFI-based uh, cheats are out there. Um, yeah, but uh, only after I fully analyzed the whole execution chain, I realized that, oh my god, this is what I was analyzing is actually Black Lotus uh, bootkit. Wow. Um, well, I'm definitely going to have to ask you to um, come back and join us to have a separate chat about UFI um, anti-cheat and cheat technology. But um, since we're kind of focusing on, on Black Lotus right now, um, you know, one of the things I wonder about, and I, I guess this would apply to these these anti-cheat um, tools as well as what are the ways in which someone would uh, acquire this? They have to buy it. You know, it's not like they can go into a online store and just purchase it like they can a, a video game or download some software. What would you have to do to get yourself a copy and I guess access to the tooling and the services that make Black Lotus run? You would probably just need to visit this uh, underground forum post and contact author of that post. And uh, yeah, it would. Um, I think that the initial license would cost you like uh, five thousand dollars. And then, if you if if you would want some um, updates or something like that, uh, it would cost like uh, two hundred for each of them. So compared to other UFI malware that you've seen, things that have been used to attack people of interest, uh, attacks on uh, civilians by uh, uh, perhaps nation-state-aligned services, that sounds very inexpensive, um, probably a tremendous drop in the cost 
of what it would typically take to run an attack um, using tools like this that operate at such a low level. With, with that in mind, can you explain to us a little bit about the attack points on UFI? This is a boot kit, and I know that you've looked at several boot kits before. Um, you've also looked at actual UFI firmware implants. What's the difference uh, between these? Uh, UFI firmware implants are, as this word firmware in their name uh, suggests, uh, are implanted directly on the computer's motherboard um, chip. Uh, this is where also UFI firmware resides. So it's very hard to uh, implant them there because there are multiple layers of protections. Uh, it's the, writing to this uh, small memory chip is possible only from special CPU operating mode. It's called system management mode. And there are also some uh, hardware specific uh, configuration uh, bits or registers that uh, protects this chip against uh, modifications. And uh, even if you would be able to write something to this chip, uh, modern chipsets uh, contains um, hardware root of trust solutions uh, that would prevent executing such a code. And uh, when it comes to uh, UFI bootkits, such as Spectre, uh, Black Lotus, they are located on, on a disk partition, EFI system partition. So it's pretty easy to copy your, your file to this partition. Um, so this deployment is very easy in comparison to the uh, firmware implants. Uh, but the functionality is almost the same because uh, yeah, even UFI bootkits are very powerful because they are executed before an operating system. So they can hijack uh, OS ex execution flow. Um, they can deploy their own uh, kernel driver and like your pound at a time, so. Um, a lot of difference in how they're deployed, um, but not much difference because they're they're both loading before the operating system has a chance to set up its own um, layers of uh, security and protection. Um, it's interesting though to hear um, about all of the additional protections that you get when writing to firmware, which probably means that that's also a much a more lucrative attack um, that we, we might see in the future um, with this kind of uh, commoditization of UEFI types of malware, it, which kind of leads me to my, my next question, which is UEFI malware, uh, boot kits and firmware implants, we've largely thought of, as I mentioned before, as kind of these advanced persistent threat level attacks done by shadowy organizations or entities associated with or on behalf of uh, perhaps a, a nation state. Are they now just becoming average crimeware like a ransomware or a botnet? Uh, as I said, I think that uh, UFI firmware implants are more kind of APT level threats, Yeah, mostly because of this difficult deployment. So... Um, Maybe APTs, uh, some advanced ones, uh, will be able to implant something on even on the SPI flash chips and maybe not only uh, old ones that do not have any protections like it was in the past. 
but uh, maybe in the new ones there were these uh, various leaks uh, in the recent years maybe this uh, MSI leak that contained even some um, Intel boot guard keys uh, so uh, we will see and when it comes to these boot kits they are yeah, easy to develop and easy to deploy so uh, I just hope that crimeware groups won't start using bootkits uh, in their arsenal because um, with their capabilities of spreading malware using their botnets, uh, it would be like a huge problem, I think. How about um, removing these or uh, preventing them in the first place? What sort of mitigation techniques uh, should average home users uh, out there be looking at and um, what about also for uh, admins who may be responsible for managing some of the computers that may be targeted by these kinds of threats? There are definitely some mitigations, like especially for UFI bootkits. I've just recently uh, read this NSA uh, mitigation guide, and I must say that I really liked it because it was uh, like uh, really concise but uh, very informative. Um, it, it answered all the questions that people are always asking, even me. And there was stuff like, yeah, if you really care about uh, UFI security uh, of your system, then then you would like set up a custom secure boot policy on your machine. But this really requires um, experienced user or administrator, and this is very hard to manage uh, on a large scale. You can do that if you have like few computers. But I can't imagine doing something like that uh, in a company with uh, thousands of computers because you would literally need to like sign every uh, new update and deploy this uh, bootloader to the EFI system partition. Uh, it could be quite disaster and it, it could cause a lot of problems like uh, a lot of unbootable devices. Uh, yet there are even some uh, easier solutions. Uh, that do not require such an expertise, like maybe um, file system monitoring, because uh, things at uh, EFI system partition do not change uh, that often. So maybe if you notice that um, your default bootloader binary has changed, then it's time to check uh, what has happened. That would definitely be a signal that something has happened, uh, might be for a good purpose like a security update it might be for something that's dangerous malign and evil but since they don't change that often getting that kind of notification would definitely be a a first warning to you that you know something might be going on there um this is something that you know, we mentioned at the beginning it's affected many computer manufacturers uh, out there many operating system vendors um, I'm sure you've had more than a few conversations with some of these folks. Um, any thoughts on how they're handling the problem? Uh, good job, bad job. Uh, they understand what's going on. They don't. Um, what's been your, your observation of how the computer industry has been responding uh, to this threat that you discovered? Uh, well, actually, there is not much that uh, other vendors can uh, actually do because uh, these vulnerabilities inside um, Microsoft uh, products or bootloaders. So um, other vendors can't just uh, maybe revoke these binaries uh, on their own because 
it would cost that all their customers would uh, have unbootable machines. So that would be a problem. So Microsoft is the one who needs to solve this problem. Uh, they, I think they, yeah, they already published a new update and even some optional revocation. So if you download the latest update, you you need to update even your installation medias, and then you need to manually um, copy files to the copy file to the EFI system partition, and you need to manually uh, update your DBX revocation list uh, on the machine. Yeah, well, one thing we should mention is that um, although this is a Microsoft provided and signed piece of code. It's used by more operating system vendors than just Microsoft. Um, there are a number of Linux distros that use it, as well as other operating systems. And also, um, this is a, a key component um, of recovery media that's provided to you by your computer manufacturer. So that may need updating as well. And uh, actually, uh, there there are two Microsoft certificates. Uh, one is used for signing only Microsoft uh, developed products or uh, software, and second one is used to sign um, third-party uh, UFI bootloaders used by, um, let's say, even some Linux distri uh, distributions and stuff like that. So these two are by default uh, on all UFI machines usually. So if if someone is using exclusively only uh, Linux, um, then it might be a good idea to set custom secure boot policy and uh, remove uh, this Microsoft production PCA certificate from the DB so that only this uh, third-party certificate is there. And in that case, Linux machines uh, wouldn't be mm, vulnerable uh, to this kind of attack, or at least this vulnerability, this button drop that was exploited by Black Lotus uh, couldn't be used uh, on the Linux machines. Thank you for that. That's a, a very important uh, consideration. Um, so uh, b before we go, um, are there any other thoughts that you'd uh, care to share with our listeners today uh, about Black Lotus or UEFI security in general? Many people are confused about uh, TPM and if TPM can be used somehow to, to stop uh, boot kits or something like that. And I would say maybe just um, that it cannot stop these kind of threats. It can just uh, help you to notice that something wrong uh, is going on or something has changed and it's up to you to, uh, to investigate uh, deeper. So that would be the trusted platform module that comes either on a computer's motherboard or increasingly is built into the CPU. And people should watch the measurements from it uh, to see if there's anything going on there at that early boot process that it monitors. Well, uh, thank you very much for that, uh, Martin. This has been a, a fascinating uh, conversation, and I appreciate your taking time out of your busy day uh, to come and record this podcast with me. Um, thank you very much. Thank you. This has been an episode of the ESET Research Podcast. For more information from Martin Smolar and the rest of our research team on UEFI threats, follow ESET Research on Twitter or Mastodon. And you can also read the latest blog posts and white papers 
on WeLiveSecurity.com. This show was hosted by me, Ari Goretsky. My guest today was ESET's malware researcher, Martin Smolar, and it was produced by our security awareness specialist, Andre Kubovich. This podcast was created with love and care in Bratislava. Until the next time, stay safe.